Well, welcome back to our series for 2023, The Life of Christ. As we walk through this year, we are focusing in on the events that took place during the life of Christ, His lifetime. And once a month, we are breaking from our series for communion, and we are looking at the parables of Jesus. Jesus' parables are many, 37 or more, depending on how you count them. And they, too, are related to His life and ministry and His message, even though they may seem diverse and puzzling at some times. Why in the world did Jesus speak in parables anyway? Well, after the parable of the sower that Seth covered in January, the disciples asked Jesus that very question. And Jesus answered them. He said, There are those who have continually rejected my message. And because they rejected him, he left them in their spiritual blindness to wonder as to the meaning of what he was speaking in parables. He made a clear distinction between those who had been given ears to hear and those who persisted in their disbelief. Ever hearing and never actually perceiving and always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth is the way Paul describes it in his second letter to Timothy. Paul says, in fact, this is going to describe church leaders in the end times. The disciples had been given a gift of spiritual discernment by which the things of the Spirit were made clear to them. Because they accepted truth from Jesus, they were given more and more truth. The same is true today for believers who have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth, as we, as we read in John's Gospel. He has opened our eyes to the light of truth and opened our ears to the sweet words and sounds of eternal life. Jesus' parables are as diverse as the reasons for which he spoke them, but are related to his life and ministry, much like this widow's life, history, and marriage. The local news station was interviewing an, an 84-year-old woman because she had gotten married for the fourth time. When does romance end? Well, I don't know, but it's sometime after the age of 84. The interviewer then asked her questions about her life, about what it felt like to be married again at 84, and then about her new husband's occupation. He's a funeral director, she answered. Interesting, the newsman thought. He then asked her if she wouldn't mind telling him about her first three husbands and what each had done for a living. She paused for a few moments, having to reflect back through all those years of history. And after a short time, a smile came to her face, and she answered proudly, explaining that she first married a banker when she was in her early 20s, and when he passed, a circus ringmaster when she was in her 40s, and when he passed, a preacher when in her 60s, and when he was called home, now in her 80s, a funeral director. The interviewer looked at her quite astonished and asked her why she had married four men with such diverse backgrounds. Easy, son, she smiled. I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. All right. Amen. <laughs> Let's pray and see what God has for us this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that you are a firm foundation that we can build our lives on. Father, we thank you that you come in and you set right what was broken so many years ago in the garden. Father, we thank you that we can, in fact, call you Father and know that you care for us. We ask for your blessing as we open up your word today. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Well, today, as is our custom on Communion Sunday, we invite all of the children to come up front to help out for a short time. So kids, come on down to Price is Right. We've got candy as usual. Come on down. For those who caught the game show reference, you guys fill in all right here is good. You might be surprised to know that Bob Barker is actually still alive at the age of 99. Oh, no, 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 no candy yet. First we, first we help, then, can, then candy. Yes, put the, oh, you guys, are, you guys are too smart for me. I'm going to give these to, uh, here, hold these for me. Here we go. Joanna will keep a watchful eye on that for me. Okay. Uh, as they are gathering, well, they're already here now. Turn, turn with your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, where we're going to read the closing words of the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus Christ himself. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And then we'll get to your part. He concluded this sermon with a story in verses 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and, it's, and it fell with a great crash. Today, Jessica is going to come on up, and she's going to help teach us motions to an old Sunday school song based on this section of Scripture. It's a song I grew up singing, and I trust some of you may have done so as well called The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. How many, how many old folks out there know that song? All right, very good. We, we're going to try it. So there's three verses, and I think, I think the motions, you guys are going to help me with motions as well. So the motions are going to say, yep. Uh-huh. Good. Let's hope so. Well, we met to them slightly different, but keep your eyes on, on this young lady. So, the <laughs> yeah, I hope we're all doing the same thing. So, I'm doing the wise man built his house upon a rock. Okay? When we get to the second verse, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And then the last verse is, uh, so build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? See if you can remember those. So, uh, this will be fun. Here we go. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. But the house on the rock stood firm. So foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. 
The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up, and the house on the sand fell flat. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessings will come down. The blessings will come down as the prayers go up. The blessings will come down as the prayers go up. The blessings will come down as the prayers go up. So build your life on the Lord. Amen. All right. All right, Candy. Now for the moment they've been waiting for. Here we go. Okay, guys. Take like three. Woo. This is all chocolate candy. Here you go. Begin, but do it quickly. All right. Find your seats. Oh, that's good. Oh, well, here you go. Take three. Got to be quick. They're all chocolate. Well, they're all kind of regular. Pick one each. Okay. Well, see, she's going to give her husband a fit trying to make decisions on curtains. <laughs> I like these ones. I like these ones. I'm not sure which ones I want. All right, awesome. So, we have a tale here of two men. Two men who have a lot in common. Two men who have a lot that make them very different. It's a tale with a most dramatic conclusion. And I would like to briefly, after all we have a, a picnic to get to, look at the comparison, the contrast, and the conclusion of this story. Drawn by Jesus Christ at the end of his sermon so that each of us can answer the following question. Which man or woman are you? Because unless you can answer this question correctly, you have no hope that the future will be any better than the past. So let's see what we can see. Let's compare them. What makes these men alike? Well, they have at least three things in common. One, each man had the same dream. They both wanted to build a house. Their visions, their desires were totally aligned with one another. One of the greatest dreams, the American dream, is to own your own home, to have a place that you can call your own. This is what both men desired. They were a lot alike. In the Bible, to build a house can refer to one of three things. To build a house could refer to building a life, a life of significance. No one is born wanting to, to have a disastrous life. They want to build a life of dreams, of victory, of success, of, of meaning, and of fulfillment. We can say that both men wanted to have a successful life. Or to build a house could refer to building a family. No one gets married wanting to end up or planning to divorce. When my oldest daughter Jennifer was still teaching, she taught preschool in the city school system. Fourth grade, four-year-old, four-year-old children she taught. And while she was there, she got married. 
to Paul, her current husband, her only husband. Hopefully it stays that way forever. When she went on her honeymoon, her four-year-old children asked her, had she already picked out her second husband? Apparently, Paul was just a starter husband. He's good to get things going, but it's never going to last. He's, she's got to pick out the second one already. It's a pretty sad commentary. Well, no one ties the knot simply to want to have it untied. It was a dream to become a dynamic, vibrant, vital home. Or to build a house. The Bible calls church the household of faith. It is the place where God's people gather together. No leader builds a belly up. So when you're talking about building a life, in common. Did we lose Mr. Frank? Oh, it's back. Not only both men have in common the same There we go. All right. This has been a morning of technical difficulties, I tell you. The computer that we normally do all of our songs on had its password changed. It's a new PC. Well, wouldn't you know it? We typed it in one too many times. Locked out for over an hour. I'm like, church starts in 20 minutes. How are we going to get this done? So we quick had to transfer all the songs into Google Drive and then shoot them to me as a share so that we could see them, which is why they were in black and white. So Sometimes these things happen. It's what comes your way. So not only did both men have in common the same dream, both men had in common the same church. They both went to the same church. They both had the same pastor. Where do we get that from? Well, Jesus said that both of these men heard the words of mine. They both listened to the same pulpiteer. And if you have to listen to the same preacher, well, it's kind of hard to do better than listening to Jesus. So both were sitting at Jesus' feet at the same time. They were both exposing themselves to the truth of God. So we're not talking about an atheist and a religious person. We're talking about two men who both felt a need to expose themselves to divine information. Both men heard these words of mine. Both men knew what to do on Sunday morning. Both men wanted the truth of God's word. So we're talking at least biblically orient, about biblically oriented men as they listened to the living word, for us, which for us is the written word of God, what we call the Bible. So both men had the same dream. Both men had the same church, had the same preacher. And there was a third thing that both men had in common. They both were in the same neighborhood. Well, whoa, where, where are you getting that from? Well, we know that both men lived in the same neighborhood or in reasonable proximity to one another because they were both affected by the same storm. Jesus said the storms came for both the wise and the foolish man. It means that they were in reasonable proximity to one another. These men had a lot in common. They had the same dream. 
They had the same preacher. They lived relatively close to one another in the same neighborhood. So look from the outside. It looked like there was no difference between these two men. They very much had the same lives. However, that's where the comparison ends and the contrast begins. Because these men are contrasted in the passage as being very different. The first man is called a wise man, and the second is called a fool. So while they were externally the same, they were internally very different. In the Bible, wisdom refers to the ability to take divine truth and apply it in a practical choice to life. The book of Proverbs is full of such instructions where we find that wisdom is related to choices. One man had this ability. He knew how to make choices. The other man is called a fool. The Greek word for fool, moros, is where we get our English word moron from. <laughs> it means heedless, and I love this definition, morally blockheaded. Morally blockheaded. The second man is called moronic. Now, a moron in the Bible is not an imbecile, not someone who is lacking in cognitive ability. A moron in the Bible is someone who is the opposite of a wise man. That is, they do not have the skills of biblical living. They do not know, or they just plain fail to make wise choices. They do not know how to take spiritual truth and apply it to the pragmatic, practical, everyday situations of life. They can go to church like both men. They can hear the sermon and they can say amen, but when they leave, they don't know what to do with what they heard and what choices to make. That's a fool. That leads us to the big contrast between these two men that come out of this difference. The evidence that one was wise and one was a fool relates to their foundation. It says the wise man built his foundation on a rock. Like six, uh, Luke 6.48, which records this same passage, says, and he dug deep. You can always tell how tall a high rise is going to be by how deep they go. The deeper they go, the deeper the foundation, the higher they can go and the heights they can achieve. The foolish man, we are told, built his foundation on sand. So the wisdom of one and the foolishness of the other are clearly seen in the choice they made regarding their foundation. We all know sand is a weak foundation. When I was growing up, we used to tent camp at Henlopen State Park in Delaware. It is on the beach on the Atlantic Ocean. We camped in the sand pretty much right on the beach. The waves were just over the dune from our tent door. Over one small dune and you were there. We could see it, we could hear it, we could smell it, we could taste it from our campsite. And no matter how much you try to sweep it, it just doesn't stay put. You get sand in everything, in your food, in your clothes, in your tent, in your bed, in your hair, in every crack and crevice of your body and leave none of them unexplored. Sand will be there. And you usually get sunburned after the first day. It's an awesome vacation. I do it all the time. We would go sometimes there twice in the summer and for weekends early in the spring when the water is ice cold. And of course, you have to. More technical. How many times you go there? That one was on me. I hit the button. And in the spring, it is so cold. Up to your knees is as far as you can get into the water. You shuffle around trying to, to find the most solid, warm spot that you can find. You ever done that? You pick a solid spot 
and you stand there as the waves just wash over your feet. And what happens as you stand there after a few waves have crashed? You begin to sink, right? You begin to sink. The sand gives way under your feet and washes away. Pretty soon you're standing in a hole. Sand doesn't stay put. I wonder why the foolish man built his foundation on sand as opposed to the wise man who built his foundation on the rock. If you want to build something that's going to last like your life, you've got to build on a solid foundation. When it comes to life, Jesus tells us what that foundation is. He says, he that hears my word and acts on it is a wise man. Both men heard his word. Both men went to church, but the first man, the wise man did something that the second man didn't. The first man heard it, he believed it, and he applied it. He heard it, he believed it, and he applied it. The question that you face is to whether or not you are a fool or a wise man is not what church you go to. It's not who your pastor is. It's not how many times you go there. It has to do with the choice. Did you make the same choice that the wise man did to hear it, to believe it, and to apply it to your life? Going to church didn't save this man's life, his dream or his home. Going to church didn't save this man's family because hearing is not enough. Jesus has given each of us a choice to make. He offers us a free gift of salvation, of a real foundation to build on. Will you be wise or foolish? Will you accept his free gift or will you reject it? And that leads to a conclusion, a bottom line, a point that Jesus made. It says the rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It says that about both men. The fate of your life hangs on how you can answer the question, which man or woman are you? Did you make the choice to apply the truth to your life? Jesus sums up his message with these words, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The whole of Jesus' sermon is about choosing the right foundation to build your life on. Jesus' audience was trying to build their life on a foundation of good works and Old Testament law. Jesus calls that a sandy foundation. All of our good works, he says, are just filthy, dirty rags. Just before this story in the sermon, Jesus said these words to his audience. Not all who sound religious are really godly people. They may refer to me as Lord, but still won't get to heaven. For the decisive question is whether they obey my Father in heaven. At the judgment, many will say, will tell me, Lord, Lord, we told others about you and used your name to cast out demons and to do many other great miracles. But I will reply, you have never been mine. Go away, for your deeds are evil. They built on a foundation of sand. They're good works. But Jesus isn't looking for good works. He's looking for a relationship built on what he has done for you. Jesus says, look, I have been standing at the door, and I am constantly knocking. If anyone hears me calling him and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. Revelation 3.20. That relationship starts by simply believing Jesus is who he says he is and taking him at his word. Hear it, believe it, apply it. Paul tells us these words in Romans. For salvation 
that comes from trusting Christ, which is what we preach, is already within easy reach of each of us. In fact, it is as near as our hearts and mouths. For if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord, and believe in your own heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that a man becomes right with God, and with his mouth he tells others of his faith, confirming his salvation. Will you be wise or foolish? It only becomes apparent what kind of foundation you have built on when the storms of life come your way. The storms don't determine your foundation. They just make it plain to see. Please notice the storm. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. It blew so hard that it could knock a house down. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's a hurricane. Anyone ever been in a spiritual hurricane season? A spiritual hurricane season is where every direction, something is going wrong. You look up, it's raining. You look down, it's flooding. You look out the window, the rain and the wind are blowing sideways, and your world is shaken. It can be shaken by a financial crisis, by a relationship crisis, by a circumstance crisis, hit by your own teammate even. One thing is clear, things are rattling in a hurricane. I mean, everywhere you look, stuff is, is coming at you. When those times come, it is all about your foundation. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. Shh, don't tell anyone. You can't pour a foundation in the middle of a storm. You can pour it before the storm. You can pour it after the storm. It don't really work in the middle. You might have to weather that one out. You can cry out for help. Many of us in the middle of a crisis want to get a new foundation. You might have to weather that baby out. The purpose of a foundation is for when the storms come. It's, sometimes, it's something that you can harness for your life, for your home, for your ministry. Psalm 1 says that we need to be firmly planted by the streams of water. When God is after is a firm foundation, He's after being that for our lives. Dr. Tony Evans was on a trip to Alaska. He had arranged, arranged a ministry cruise to thank some of the supporters of his national ministry, The Urban Alternative. On the way back, the captain said that they were going to hit a storm. They didn't think much of it. Kind of like turbulence on a plane. I like turbulence on a plane. I think it's kind of fun, but maybe I'm weird. Until they hit it, all right? It was the worst storm that Holland America had ever had in its history. The waves were hitting the boat up to 50 feet high. He was tossing this cruise liner around like a tin can. People were throwing up. Pianos were rolling. The stewards were in a corner huddled together, and people were screaming. It, it was something to see. His wife got upset. She didn't get upset at the storm. You can't control that. She got upset that the captain knew the storm was coming and took them out through it anyway. He could have delayed their departure, but they can't do that. They've got to get these folks back so they can pick up a new crew of passengers. He could have taken an inside route through an in, uh, a, a passage closer to land and got some block from land from the storm, but no, he took them right dead center through that storm. So his wife was miffed. She picked up the telephone and said, may I speak to the captain? May I, and Tony Evans just put his face in his hands, he said, right? I know the feeling. I can relate. I am married to one of those may I speak to the captain kinds of women. It is why I love her. 
the operator said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but the captain cannot come to the phone right now. He is weathering the storm, and he is totally preoccupied. She said, well, I just want to register my complaint that he put us in this storm that he knew was coming, and he didn't have to. I mean, we got all these guests who are being inconvenienced by his decision. The operator said, ma'am, I'll relay your concern to the captain. Five minutes later, the cabin phone rang. It was the first officer. And the captain had given the first officer a response. He called to respond to Miss Evans' call. He had two messages for her. Message number one, lady, go to sleep. Go to sleep, lady, lay down and go to sleep. He said, because the captain is going to be staying up all night and ain't both a, no need for both of you to be staying up all night together. He had a second message, and this was a doozy. He said, this ship was built with this storm in mind. Long before we ever left dock, we knew this day was coming. And it was constructed in such a way that when this day came, we could handle it. Your salvation, if you are a, a believer like the wise man, was built with your storm in mind. God has already determined what was going to come your way, and he is sufficient for it. But only when you remember to apply his word. Only when you hear it, believe it, and apply it. These men had a lot in common. They both had a dream of a, a great life, a great home, a great ministry. They were unlike each other because one was a fool and the other wise, because they chose two different foundations. But they forgot, or at least the fool forgot, that a storm was coming. Oh, I'd love to promise you that if you follow Jesus, there won't be any storms. But I'd be lying to you. I'd love to say, follow Jesus, and there will be no difficult days. But I'd be lying to you. You know this is true because... You've already been there, or you're there now. You've already seen it. What I can say is that the knowledge and application of divine truth, while not removing you from the storm, will keep you steady in it. Worship team and ushers, you can make your way forward. When I was a boy, I had a punching bag, and I'd hit it. Boom! And it would hit the floor, and it would come back up. Bing! Boom, 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 bam. I'd hit that thing, and, and it would just keep coming back. Bing. One time, I hit it as hard as I could. Reared back and just let it go. It hit the wall, hit the ceiling. I nearly got in trouble for that one. Then it came back to the floor and went boom, 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 boom. Bing. Straight back to center. No matter what I did to that punching bag, it kept coming back. You know why? Because at the bottom of it, it had a weight. And that weight at the bottom was heavier than the air on top. So no matter what I did to it up here, down here controlled where it would wind up. Sometimes life is going to hit you. Boom! And if Jesus and his word are your foundation, you're going to come right back to center. Bing! Sometimes Satan is going to hit you with all he's got. Boom, 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 boom. And if Christ and his word is your foundation, you may rock a little bit, but you're going to come back. Bing. Why? Because when it comes to foundation, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Faith Fellowship, know that God is for you, not against you. 
Have a good day in Jesus. Let's remember the one who died and rose again for us so that we could live on a firm foundation.